Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Um, the Lord is, is faithful to us, is he not? Um, and as uh, even when things happen that we're not, uh, we weren't prepared for, um, he is uh, still faithful to us. This, this week, um, Pastor Mike got called to, uh, to, to Indiana this weekend for a, um, a special event for the hospital, and um, so he called me up and he said, hey, can you take care of Sunday morning? And I said, it'd be my pleasure. So here we are, um, and uh, we get to enjoy the Lord together. We get to enjoy his word. Now, Daniel is a really, really cool book, um, and I am super excited that we are going to go through Daniel, especially, I mean, it says in the announcements that this is graduation uh, Sunday. Who graduated to a different Sunday school class today? Nice. Congratulations. None of the adults? Oh, okay, okay, my bad, my bad. Um, so uh, the cool thing is we're talking about graduates, and we, our oldest graduated from high school, and I know uh, Christian graduated recently, and uh, so we're excited about what the next chapter is going to be for him, and I think it's especially appropriate that as we are celebrating graduation that we're also talking about these four guys that we're going to talk about today. Um, because Daniel and his crew, that's what we're going to call them today. They've got really long names. Um, and we're going to call them Daniel and the crew. You, you, you good with that? Um, and, uh, and, and so that's what we're going to call them. You might also hear me talk about the VeggieTales. Roy and I were talking this morning. This is the original VeggieTale. Because what we're going to see is that Daniel and the crew say, let us eat veggies. So, right, so we're going to talk about the VeggieTales, and you might, just might hear me call them Rack Shack and Benny, which is what they're called in VeggieTales. So, um, but we're going to talk about these guys, and I think it's especially appropriate that we're talking about them for, at this graduation Sunday, because these guys are teenagers. These guys are young adults who are just figuring out how to stand for God, who are just entering in to this life of being a God follower, outside of what their parents are going to call them to do. Uh, you know, at some point you hit that 18, 19, 20, 25, or if you're that guy that got sued by his parents, what, you're 30, um, they, they have to sue you to kick you out of their house, right? But at some point you're out of mom and dad's house, and at some point you have to make the decision on your own what we talked about in our Sunday school class this morning, who is this Jesus and what are you going to do with him? Is he real? Does he really matter? Does Christianity really make sense? Or does the world really have it figured out? And this morning we're going to get an idea that Daniel and the crew are going to stand for God and God is going to give them victory. Uh, we would recommend that you read the book of Daniel. It's short, but it's powerful. It's fantastic. Today we're talking about Daniel chapter 1. Next week, Pastor Mike's talking about Daniel chapter 4. I didn't do well in school on math, but that tells me there's two chapters we're not touching, right? As a matter of fact, we're doing four messages out of the book of Daniel out of 12 chapters. There's some good meat on the bones. Get after it on your own, right? Read the book of Daniel because it is incredible what God does through these four guys, specifically through Daniel. 
But as we get into what Dan, what's happening with Daniel, it's important for us to understand some of the historical background. In both biblical and secular history, we know that Israel, which at this point is just the two southern tribes, it's not all 12 tribes, the other 10 tribes have already been conquered. It's just the two southern tribes, it's Judah and Benjamin. Gotta always say the tribe of Benjamin. Um, and it's conquered by Babylon in 605 B.C., as part of the conquering strategy, what they do is they take a, a, a good segment of the population of the Israelites and replace them with Babylonians. It's the same thing that the Soviets did when they took over Eastern Europe. It's that same strategy. And Daniel and his crew, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, were part of the initial deportation. There's going to be three total deportations uh, before Ezra and Nehemiah return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. But these four guys are scholar athletes, right? Like they are varsity, they are all Israel athletes, okay? Straight A's, top SAT scores, like these guys were the real deal. So they get called in and they're told, we're gonna, we're gonna take you guys to our university and you're gonna spend three years and we're going to prepare you to be productive members of our society. We're going to uh, steal your faith in God and replace it with the love of the world, with a desire for pagan customs and an anti-God morality, which sounds like our colleges today. And ultimately, what we'll see in this book is that the book of Daniel is a series of spiritual battles where Daniel and his crew stood for God, and won the victory for him. If we can get that put up on the screen, Terry. The book of Daniel is a series of spiritual battles where Daniel stood for God, and God won the victory for him. And these battles are an encouragement for all believers, for you, for me, for all of the young people in this room. Who, who's here that's under 25? 25 or under. There we go. This is for you. This is for you. Everybody else, you're along for the ride, and I hope that God works in your hearts today. But this is for the people who, man, it is time to stand on your own faith. See, Daniel and his crew, they are getting ready to go out. And at church, you and I, we, your parents and your Sunday school teacher and the pastor, we say, hey, stand for God. And then you get to school and, they're, and they tell you, God's a joke. They say, that Christianity stuff, that's just a myth. They say, none of that is real. What's real is this pot that you can smoke this weekend. Or what's real is this experience or, or whatever it is that they want to sell you and so for us today, we're going to see, and I believe, that we see the Lord show Dan how Daniel and his crew fulfilled Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. That says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Verse 13, 
Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. These bold men will stand firm for the Lord and in the process become examples for each of us for how we should serve the one who died for us. The one who won the great battle for our souls when he died on the cross and rose to life again, but also the one who will prove, as Jim George said, spiritual warfare is the unseen battle that God wages on your behalf. And this morning we're going to see that these young men are proof of who God is and what he's doing on behalf of his people. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for the book of Daniel. Thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to look at this first chapter, to understand who you are, to understand the battle that is raging around us. And Lord, as we look at these three battles that these young men fight in the first, book of, or the first chapter of Daniel, Lord, I pray that we would internalize and that we would see in our own hearts and our own minds how this battle is raging even yet today and how you've called us as children of the King to stand, to stand in the midst of this present darkness, to stand for the truth of who you are the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to see three battles this morning, and the first battle is the battle for our thoughts. It's the battle for our thoughts. Uh, have you ever noticed that there is a competition for your thoughts? When was the last time you got on Facebook, and you're scrolling and you're scrolling? Or when was the, time you, the last time you watched TV? Uh, advertisers have been trying to gain your attention and your affections for centuries, but we're just getting really, really good at it now. Uh, in fact, marketers, and, and, and I admit that I'm one, right? Pastor Mike has made me a marketer. Uh, we just want your clicks and your likes. We just want to know that you're thinking about us, right? I mean, really, that's all it is. If you click and you like, you're thinking. We got your attention, right? These Israelite teens were experiencing, though, this outright brainwashing. Look at Daniel chapter 1, verse number 4. These were the best and the brightest that Israel had to offer. They were youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom. They were endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. In other words, these were the best of the best, and they were able to, to fulfill duties for the king, for King Nebuchadnezzar. That's the name of this guy, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, think of it in this way, that they, they were hired to work in the White House, right? In our minds, we think only the best of the best are hired to work in the White House. Whatever you think of the White House now or however long ago, that's the, the, what we're at, right? So they had to be trained to serve him. And so they're going to brainwash these guys. Look at the rest of verse 4. To teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. 
their education in Chaldean or Babylonian knowledge and its customs would um, be, after they get that education, they'd be forced into service. They were being trained to be magi. Magi is where we get the term magician. Anybody heard of a magi before? Right? These are the same guys that a couple centuries later are going to come and do what? They're going to bring Jesus the gifts, right? So um, that's the same group of people that um, Daniel and the crew are going to become. And through this three-year curriculum, these young men were going to systematically be converted to Babylonian mindset, Babylonian worldview in custom and in thought. And it's appropriate that we discuss this again today because Many of our higher education institutions, that's what they're here for. They're here, and just know this, young people, they are here to, to discourage you from thinking there is absolute truth. They don't want you to think that there is a source of truth that says this is right and this is wrong. They don't want that. So they're, they are being brainwashed, these four guys, much the same way that we are being brainwashed today. And by the way, we're, we're seeing it in our media as well. But let's take courage from the lessons of Daniel and know that God will give us the victory when we stand for him. The interesting thing about this is our thoughts, our affections, as Paul calls them, the things that we care for, these are both the battlefield, they're the weapons, and the prize. Because as Satan can get you to think about his stuff instead of Jesus' stuff, that's the battle, that's the, 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 the weapon, and the prize, right? Because he got you away from God. So since his fall, Satan has been pitching to humanity the idea that his ways are better, wiser, more fun than God's ways, right? Have you ever heard somebody say, I want to go to hell so I can have fun? You ever heard that? That's a dangerous statement, isn't it? Like, it's not going to be fun. No, no offense, but it's designed to be torturous. But each time we take our thoughts down his path, he wins a small victory. And Paul in Philippians 4.8, he calls on us to take that battle seriously. He says, think about the things that God thinks are pleasing. Verse, four, uh, sorry, verse 8 of Philippians chapter 4 says, Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Elsewhere, Paul says to take our thoughts captive. We don't like that idea, do we? We want to be able to be free thinkers. Our dog has a, has a fence, and um, at night, he has um, a kennel that he sleeps in. The reason our dog, and he's a big German shepherd, man, he's a lover, um, the reason that our dog has a fence and a kennel is to keep him from going places he shouldn't go and keep him from doing stupid stuff when he's bored, <laughs> Right? Like, like tearing stuff up. My, my dog growing up, man, she was, she was interesting. When, when she would chew stuff, it was usually money. So at least she had expensive tastes. 
Um, <laughs> but um, it's the same with our thoughts, right? We need to put fences around what's appropriate for us to do. We need to put fences around what's important for us to think, what, what, what's appropriate for us to think about. Bethany and I had a conversation this week. She had some friends, and they invited her to go see uh, Deadpool 2. And we just had a conversation about it. We decided, you know what? Deadpool 2 is probably outside of the confines of what she should be thinking about. So she made the decision not to go. She said, you guys go without me, right? How are we making those decisions? How are we deciding what to think about? Don't take your thought life for granted. Mark Twain said, what a wee little part of a person's life. I love that. I almost want to say it in, a, in an Irish accent because it's a we, right? Yeah. We being a small part. What a small little part of a person's life are his acts and his words. His real life is led in his head and is known to none but himself. All day long, the mill of his brain is grinding and his thoughts, not those other things, are his history. I thought that was interesting from somebody who's not a great theologian. Here's a theologian, Jonathan Edwards. He's, he put it this way. The ideas and the images in men's minds are the inevitable powers that constantly govern them. The Babylonian rulers, today's marketers and educa- educators, all understand that Proverbs 23, 7 is true. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think in your mind and in your heart, that's what you'll do, right? You don't do anything that you didn't first think about. So the key to what we do and who we are is in our thoughts. And just like these Israelite young men, you and I are under a constant barrage of language, literature, entertainment, customs, all designed to steal our hearts from the Savior of the world, the only one truly worthy of our affections. We have to stand. We have to stand out for God. See, the battle for our thoughts is vital because our thoughts lead to our actions. The devil made me do it as a cop-out. He wants to win our thoughts so that we'll freely choose sin and that's our next battle is the battle for our choices battle for our thoughts and the battle for our choices the chaldean conquerors knew that the israelites had strict dietary laws they knew that god had said don't eat this do eat this eat this in a certain way make sure you wash your hands in a certain way make sure you do this make sure they had strict dietary laws so one of the first things that they do is they say ah, you're not going to eat that way anymore you're going to eat like the king God also didn't want them ever to to, to eat meat that had been offered to a false god. And most certainly, all of the meat that the king would eat would have been offered to one of the gods because that would have made it more holy and more royal. So Daniel and the crew decide to respectfully rebel. Look at Daniel 1.8. We're skipping 6 and 7. We'll come back to them. Daniel 1.8, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. I love this. He doesn't pull out a, a, a poster board and go marching down the street and say, we've got our rights, right? 
doesn't post it on social media. He's not like sending out all sorts of mad tweets. He respectfully comes to the one in charge of his training and asks if they can choose to eat according to the dietary laws of the God of Jacob and Moses and David. And in verse 9, we see God giving them their first victory. And God, in verse 9, God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Anybody ever had favor and compassion inside of, in the sight of their boss that you didn't expect? I have. I have seen favor and compassion in the, in, in the sight of a boss that, man, I certainly didn't deserve. I know that was a gift from God. But two things stick out to me about this verse. When God was for Daniel, listen to this. When God was for Daniel, the most powerful empire that had ever existed to that point could not stand against Daniel. Even in the food that he ate, right? Like, doesn't that seem like, like silliness? Like, okay, so I eat a turkey burger instead of a cow burger, right? Like, what's the difference? Even in something that seems so trivial, the greatest empire couldn't stand against God. And Daniel does not take the glory for himself, but he gives it right back to God. These are good lessons for all of us, but especially for you young people, my son and, and my daughter and my other son and, and Ashley, my, my son's girlfriend of three years. Take this to thought. Take this to your heart. I'm not sure why he's laughing. Take heed. God will grant you victories when you stand for him. But he doesn't grant them so that you can take credit. He grants them so you can give credit to him. And the chief eunuch ultimately agrees. He tells Daniel, hey, if they don't eat like the royal Babylonians, they're not going to look like the other kids. You're not going to be successful like the other university students. We've got a meal plan. You come in, you swipe your card, you eat your chicken tenders. I mean, this is what we do, right? That's what you do at, the, at, at college, right? And then you, get, um, you go and you, you get your cookie. It's the best part, right? You get your chocolate chip cookie, and you put your soft serve ice cream on it, and then you get your other chocolate chip cookie, right? Come on now. <laughs> yes, see, I got one hand. This is what you do. This is college. This is how it goes. He says, you're not going to look like everybody else. And Daniel says, let us try it for 10 days. So in verse 14, so he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. Now, I'm not sure we see God's diet plan here, right? Like, like, if the Daniel diet works for you, and like the Ezekiel bread, and there's probably other biblical terms out there, right? Like, Peter milk. Like, I don't know, there's probably something out there. But that's great. I'm not sure that we see a diet here, but we do see a faithful man. And we do see that God fights for those who stand for him. And again, in the New Testament, Paul speaks to our choices, our outward deeds. In Ephesians 2, he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. I love it. 
not through works, but through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So that none of us can walk into heaven and say, yeah, but you should have seen what I did. I tallied. I counted how many old women I helped across the street. I'm in. I earned my way. We talked about that in in, uh, Sunday school this morning. We can't earn our way to God. For we are his workmanship, verse number 10 says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, we weren't saved because of our good works. We were saved to do good works. We were saved so that we could do things that, that would bring God honor and glory. And when the Lord called Daniel into service, God's grace provided him opportunity and strength to follow. For the 21st century believer, it's the same. We have been saved so that we would do mighty works for God, to expand his kingdom, to serve his church. And Daniel knew his primary focus was serving his God, not the king, not himself, but his God. As Kevin DeYoung put it, the will of God for your life is pretty straightforward. Be holy like Jesus by the power of the Spirit for the glory of God. Serve God, live for him. And later in the same, the same passage, Paul uh, gives us an example of some good choices. Ephesians 4, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called worthy of the salvation that God has given you. Verse 2, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Here's some good choices. Young people, choose humility. Choose gentleness. Choose patience. Choose to bear with others in love instead of tearing them down. Choose unity. Choose to walk worthy of the salvation you've been given. And how does the world see our choices? Billy Graham said, we are the Bibles the world is reading. We are the creeds the world is needing. We are the sermons the world is heeding. It all rhymed. So cool. (laughs) The Bibles the world's reading, the creeds the world's needing, and the sermons the world is heeding. Kevin DeYoung said, the world needs to see Christians burning, not with self-righteous fury at the sliding morals in our country, but with passion for God. Believer, you were saved and left on this earth, in this country, in this state, in this area, so that God would be able to put you in the midst of people that would be able to see you burn with passion for him. That's why you're here. We're here so that God can can shine his glory through our lives but the excuses come and time is hard to find. So we just say, well, maybe I'll do better tomorrow. Maybe I'll start that life tomorrow. See, just like for Daniel, a God-centered life is made of God-centered choices. Small, seemingly insignificant choices like what should I eat? What entertainment should I enjoy? Or large choices like what college should I attend or who should I marry? But it's ultimately the daily choice of centering life 
on Christ. C.J. Mahaney wrote a fantastic book called A Cross-Centered Life. And in that book, he said, we make time for what we truly value. We build habits and routines around the things that really matter to us. This is an important principle to understand as we seek to build our lives around the gospel. He says, do you want a Christ-centered life? A Christ-centered life is made up of Christ-centered days. And Daniel understood that. Daniel understood that individual choices make for a godly life. See, the battle for our thoughts and for our choices rages every day. But our thoughts and choices are the weapons and the rewards, but the ultimate battle is for our identity, and that's our third battle. The identity, who we truly are. Where is our eternity? Who are you? Identity politics is nothing new, is it? It's always been important. Paul identified himself, right? Paul said, I was a Jew of the Jew. I was a chief of, chiefest of sinners. Paul said, um, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Roman citizen. But then ultimately he says, I'm a slave to Christ. For us, affiliations are important, whether it's nationalities or political parties or skin color, whatever it might be. However we break down our identity, it is important to who we are. It is. It's important to who we are. And the Babylonians knew this as well. We step back to verse 6. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. And the chief eunuchs gave them names. Why did they have to rename them? We're going to talk about that. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. <clears throat> What's in a name? Right? Who cares? We named our kids very specifically. Andrew, we wanted, I wanted to name my son Andrew uh, because Andrew is the disciple who always brings people to Christ. Every time you see Andrew in the Gospels, he's bringing people to Christ. His middle name is the name of his, his grandfather, his, my wife's dad. That, 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 that's a tradition in our family. That's my middle name. It's my mom's grandfather, right? Like, names matter for Bethany, um, the... the, the um, the house of peace, Joshua, the great general of Israel. We wanted these names to matter. Like we spent a lot of time picking these names out. Joshua originally, his sister wanted to name him God, and that didn't fly. And then she wanted to name him after the cat, which was Ducky. He still answers to Ducky, so if you want to call him, no, he doesn't, but but a name is important, and these men's names were important. Two, the name changes changed their identity. Listen to what we've got here. Daniel, Daniel name, Daniel's name um, means Yahweh will judge. But when his name turned to Belteshazzar, it meant Bel, their primary god, will protect the king. Hananiah, his name meant Yahweh is gracious. But when it was changed to Shadrach, it became the command of Aku, the moon god. Mishael meant who is like Yahweh. Meshach means who is what Aku, the moon god, says. Azariah was Yahweh is my help. Abednego is servant of Nego, the god of vegetation. 
this is identity politics at its best. We're actually going to physically change your identity, right? You get a new social security number. You get all that, right? I'll make you forget who you are so you'll become who I want you to be. I'll replace the God you serve with the false deities that aren't worthy of service. And if I can make you forget who you are, I can make you forget who you serve. See, this crisis of identity is just as critical today as it was in Daniel's day. John Piper said, Christian selfhood is not defined in terms of who we are in and of ourselves it's defined in terms of what God does to us and the relationship he creates with us and the destiny he appoints for us. God made us who we are so we could make known who he is. Our identity is for the sake of making known his identity. And see, this battle, this spiritual battle, is to say you are so much more important than anything else. So you should serve yourself, you should serve your wants, you should serve your lusts. In this great spiritual war, Satan wants us to forget that we were bought with a price. That we belong to God and that thus we represent him. In simple, moment-by-moment decisions to please ourselves, to seek after the praise of of those that we respect and desire and fear rather than the one who loved us with his life. In each of those small moments, Satan wins that battle. Daniel and the crew knew that standing for Yahweh was the best and only true satisfying course for life. And that's why when we get through these, when you look at Daniel over and over and over again, they stand, sometimes literally, Stand when everybody else is bowing to the king. Everybody else is bowing to Nebuchadnezzar or whoever else they got. And these guys stand. Stand for Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel, the God of Moses, the God of Jacob, the God of David. They stand for the only true God. They stand for the only God. We talked about this in Sunday school today as well. I, I feel like I'm doing a shameless plug for my Sunday school class, and that's not what I'm doing. We stand for the only God in history who didn't say, this is how you must come to me, but who said, no one can come to me, so I'll come to them. The only God who said, I will come on a rescue mission. I will come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the God we serve. Not some God who says, come and bring me incense. Not some God who says, come and bring me this gift or that. But instead a God who said, I will send my only begotten son and make him the final sacrifice for the sins of all mankind. That's the God that we serve. He's the only one worthy of service. But see, Satan makes us forget that. He makes us forget on a daily, moment-by-moment basis who we really are. Bought with the royal blood of God, the royal blood of Christ that will never lose its power. 
Let me say that again because I love that song. If you've never heard that song, it's amazing. You should, you should listen to it. The royal blood of Christ that will never lose its power. My clothes, man, they get washed and they get faded, right? I'm not half the man that I used to be because I'm twice the man I used to be, right? The blood of my Savior will never lose its power. Not in a thousand years, ten thousand years, a hundred thousand years. Not through a volcano or through a tornado not through a war, whether it be with North Korea or Iran or Russia or whoever it is, the blood of Christ will never lose its power. I will always have the blood of Christ and I will always be him, be his. So I have to stand. And as they stood out for God, the victories were granted. Small victories this morning but as we get further into our story, as we go further into the series, bigger victories and more powerful victories. And we have been called to serve this same God, the God of Daniel in the lion's den, the God of Rakshak and Benny in the furnace. This is the same God, the original VeggieTales God. We are children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The lion and the lamb. Incredible to think about that, that Jesus is both of those. John 1, 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Children of God. Why would we put that away? Why would we say, I want my identity, identity to be something different? But we do, don't we? See, believer, you were bought with the precious life of Christ on the cross, adopted, given the identity of a child of the king. And if you haven't made that decision this morning, that same identity is available. It is waiting for you today. Realize that nothing you can do is going to be good enough. See, if you, if you broke the law, let's say you, you, you got pulled over for doing 100 miles an hour over the speed limit. Anybody done that before? I have. Not fun. I've not been pulled over for it, but you're going 130 in a 35 mile an hour. And that judge says, wow, you were speeding. And you're going to say, yeah, but listen, there have been thousands of times that I drove safely. What's the judge's response to that going to be? Well, congratulations. You're still going to jail. 100 miles an hour over is a big deal. And see, for us, that's how we come to God and we say, yeah, but God, there were lots of times that, that I didn't sin and God's like, I don't care. What matters is that you fell short of my glory. And Jesus came to pay for it. Jesus came to give us that gift of salvation. See, our identity matters. It impacts our eternity, and it impacts our every 
day. It impacts our thoughts and our choices so that the world around us knows who we serve. They know why we stand out. They know why we serve a risen Savior. As we conclude, we all want to stand out, right? We want want to stand out so we wear the Bears jersey or... um, uh, the the Cubs jersey, or we fly the W, or like we, we want people to know who we are. We want to have this identity, right? We want to be. And in the millennials, my my teenagers, man, you're told rebel. I'll tell you how to rebel. Read this, because ain't nobody doing that. You want to be a rebel? Read this. Follow what it says. You'll have a much much more productive life, and man, you'll be a rebel. But stand out as something special. Be identified as someone who matters. The world gives us all sorts of identity options, right? Get this tattoo, or get this piercing, or wear your hair this way, or wear these kinds of clothes, or listen to this kind of, watch this kind of, do this, do that. But God calls us to stand out for him. And a couple kings later, everything's falling apart. And the queen, in Daniel chapter 5, verse number 10, the queen comes and she says, because of the word of the king and his lords, she says, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom the spirit of the holy gods abides. In the days of your father, light and understanding, and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, the king, made him chief of the Magi, of the Chaldeans. Call Daniel. When everything was falling apart, when literally the writing was on the wall, that the kingdom was about to fall apart. We'll get there. Call Daniel. You want to be that man, that woman who they call and they say the spirit of the holy God resides in him? Stand. But what are you standing for? What are your thoughts when nobody's around? What are your choices when nobody's watching? What is your identity, both how you see yourself and how others see you? What what are you standing for? Daniel and his crew stood for the Lord. He brought them great victories. Daniel ultimately becomes the head of the Magi. I think Daniel's the one that tells the Magi, hey, when this star happens, the Messiah's here, go worship him. I really think that's what happens. But believer, if you want to be that kind of a guy, you've been promised to have even greater victories than that. Can you believe that? greater victories than Daniel? Every time that a sinner comes to know Jesus Christ, the angels throw a party. You know that? One of my favorite songs, it's old, but it basically says, let's have a party with the angels and let's go tell people about Jesus. There were no angels throwing parties when when Daniel was, was blessed, but man, when When we lead someone to Christ, heaven goes crazy. 
There's like streamers and those noisemakers and those really pointy hats. Like everybody's going nuts in heaven because someone became a believer in Jesus Christ. You want to do great things? Stand for the Lord. And we're standing for the Lord. He gives us opportunities to tell others the gospel, rescuing them from an eternal torture in hell and bringing them into glory in heaven. What are you standing for? Why aren't you standing now? Would you stand with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, the instrumentalists are going to come up and we're going to have a song. Would you, would you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Just, just think about, about the Lord. Put aside all the other thoughts Is the Lord speaking to you this morning? Maybe this morning he's, he's issuing a call and he's saying, I want to I, I be your God. I want to save you. I want to make it so that, so that you can experience this incredible life of relationship with me. If you've already experience that if you've already heeded that call responded to the lord and 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 asked him to be your savior would you just lift up your hand nobody's looking around nobody's watching nobody's doing anything praise god hands all over the room maybe this morning um maybe this morning you haven't called out to him maybe this morning he's calling you into this this vibrant life would you heed that call If the Holy One of Israel, if the God that created all things is talking to you this morning, if he's calling you to stand, he's calling you to a royal appointment to get some serious business done. Would you meet with him today? Would you open your heart and your mind? We're going to start singing some songs. This is just designed to be a time of response. Lord, help us to respond to you this morning. Help us to understand who we are in you and how that changes our thoughts and our choices. Lord, help us to stand like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Help us, Lord, to be men and women who seek after you and your glory more than the things of this world, who stand for what is right, for what is true, for what is eternal. Work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.